0: Of course we have. Of course we're like, shit, I need a diffuser and run over and got one. Or We've all done it. And if you say that you haven't done it, I don't. For you're a liar. Because you, have, you are lying. You have tapped into your best friend's drawer and stole something. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Sid Charisse.
1: And I'm David Bosher.
0: And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast.
1: Where we teach you to salon differently
0: let us introduce you to one of our favorite product companies, Reverie.
1: Reverie is hair care for all humans, no matter your hair type. Their clean and innovative formulas nurture the integrity of your hair for unrivaled results.
0: Reverie is made intentionally in California, paying attention to detail at every stage of the process. Their mindfully sourced vegan ingredients and environmentally friendly packaging showcases their commitment to creating alchemy in a bottle.
1: Reverie was created in 2011 by Garrett Markinson and continues to be a family-owned and operated business to this day.
0: Tap the link in the episode description to get connected with our friends over at Reverie. I don't know who needs to hear this, but stocking retail shelves does not make you money. But do you know what can? Online sales. DTH has partnered with Salon Interactive to bring you a free marketplace to sell the products you love to your clients and followers without having to spend a dime on retail. Salon Interactive brings back the power to the artist. You get to make a large commission from your sales whether your client and followers buy them at 2 a.m. from their couch or directly from their phone while eating breakfast. Making money in your sleep is now possible with Salon Interactive. Best part is, it's free. Visit saloninteractive.com slash DTH for more details.
1: So recently we posted, I guess not so recently, but in the last in the couple of months, months, we posted a funny little meme, satirical meme about how hairdressers feel ownership over their station, yet they actually don't have any ownership over it. station unless like you've said before they're renters so this meme was supposed to be kind of funny and provocative and kind of true and relatable i think there are followers that like get our sense of humor and then there are those who they i don't think they think we're being funny (laughs) i think they take it a little too seriously but i thought after reading the comments on that post and some of the comments i thought we should talk about it because at Destroy the Hairdresser, one of our methods is a co-working mentality where mm-hmm. for commission salons, where no stylist necessarily has a station, there are stations for stylists to do their work. And they come in and they set up every day and whether they keep their stuff in a locker or take it home or put it in a cart, whatever. But we teach this for a couple of reasons. Number one, one of the biggest problems for salons is... They hire a stat. Let's say they have five stations. So they hire five people. Well, some of those people are busy. Some of them are not. And then what the salon owner does is waits for everyone to get booked. Mm -hmm. And then the salon owner begins to struggle because not everyone gets booked. Not everyone is booked all the time. Some people just don't have what it takes. But yet they'll hold that station for that person. We have seen this time and time again kill salons' income.
0: Yeah. Those chairs have to make salons money, whether they're booth rental, or whether they're commission, those chairs are the driving force to keep the doors open and to keep the bills paid. So if you have a chair sitting there all day, not funding itself, we have a problem. And I think that's what people forget when they're like, this is my chair, this is my station. Well, you only work two days a week. You only work four days a week. So the other days a week, during that week it's like your stuff has to be removed because right. as a business owner I need that chair to bring in profit or what's the point of all of us
1: right I think of when you go into like an art class and there's easels set up right no one owns the easel you may have an easel that you like or the lights better over here or whatever but You bring your stuff. You bring your canvas. You bring your paints. You bring all your stuff. It's not fun to have to bring everything. It'd be so much easier to leave stuff there. But at the end of the day, that easel is for everyone, whoever wants to use it. I feel that way about stations. Stations are for everyone, whoever needs it. And if no one's using it, it is available. So even if it's a day that you're working, but you don't have any clients, if you worked for me, that station is open to anyone who needs it, even though it's your day. So... When we say having freedom for scheduling, which we've talked about so many times, it's not just for the stylist. It's also for the salon owner to say, okay, yeah, you have freedom to come and work whenever you want. But I also have the freedom to hire people and get these chairs booked. I truly believe that an environment that fosters that much openness requires stronger communication. It requires people to build
0: not just stylist salon owner communication, not just stylist no, to leadership, stylist to stylist communication as well. Right. Hey everyone. <laughs> I normally work Mondays and I'm not going to. So if anybody wants to work Mondays, the chair that I would normally take over is available. And I think that's stylist to stylist communication, which is like, well, I actually I'm taking off Friday, Saturday, so I kinda wanna work Monday and I normally don't. So I'm gonna Grab so-and-so's chair. I think that's the kind of communication that we have to get at. And what's so funny when we have these open co-working spaces, people naturally gravitate towards the same station every time. Anyways, so day-to-day that you're working. Now, if you work on a different day that maybe you're not, obviously something might not be as consistent. I think one of the biggest things that we saw in the comments was, okay, well, what about those that are neurodivergent or have anxiety? you can still work in a co-working space. You can still not leave your stuff in a space. You can still remove your stuff and take it home. But if you are working, let's say a Monday, Tuesday, maybe you have communication with everyone. Like I would really love to be able to have the station. I feel safe in it. I'm used to working in it. I feel comfortable. And there's a communication with your leadership that those days that you do work, maybe that can be your station. But that goes back to communication. That goes back to... But it also
1: it's also okay if you don't like the way that salon does things and you don't work there.
0: Absolutely. If you want to be like, I want to leave my stuff There's there. There's a lot of somewhere.
1: salons I didn't work at because I couldn't handle certain things that they did. That's okay. I think sometimes we get really caught up in trying to be inclusive to everything. And we want to and we should and we should always do that. But a lot of times what we find is that when you start doing it to a point where like you can't even function as a business anymore, there's a problem. So for example, some things in a business and people aren't going to like this, but there are some things in the business that are not going to be accessible. There just isn't. And I am someone who struggles with depression and anxiety and not to the level of maybe someone who is on the spectrum or, said you have OCD. And I know, like, you like structure. Some
0: things are going to bother me differently than they bother you. Exactly.
1: But at the same time, as someone who has these struggles, I can request certain things. But I also have to be willing to say, you know what, this is how this person does their business. If it doesn't work for me, I have to move on. And that is absolutely okay. You can move on. You can find a place where they don't do this. You can find your own space. You can do all those things. You can do whatever you need to take care of yourself. But salon owners also have the right to take care of themselves. Now, when taking care of yourselves means harming someone else.
0: That's a different story. That's
1: a different story. So it's important to, again, I, I know people aren't, aren't going to like what I have to say about it, but I just we can't, on every level, every second, run a business perfectly. We can't. We can't lead perfectly. It's never going to happen.
0: Well, you have to make mistakes to learn from them so you can stop making mistakes, right? Right. And I think that's where people forget to be a little bit kinder to mistakes, that it's a learning opportunity. Now, if you continue to make the same mistake, there's a little bit of ignorance. There's a little bit of disrespect. There's a little bit of...
1: Or own it and say, I'm not changing this.
0: Yeah, that too. (laughs) You know, it's so funny when um, one of the fights with this is like, Silas saying, I want to leave my stuff in space. And it's like, why would you want to do that Crime has increased. Yeah. I, in salons, I don't want my stuff stolen. And also, how many times have you left something in your station and when you weren't there, someone used it? And then you're fighting over your brush being missing, you're fighting over I something was the being person.
1: Touched. I was the person who always used other people's shit. <laughs> always.
0: Everybody instantly just hates you,
1: right? I, I was always that. No, you know what? Everyone listening's like, oh yeah, I've done that too.
0: I mean of course we have. Of course we're like shit, I need a diffuser and run over and got one or oh my god, like I need extra clips or we've all done it. And if you say that you haven't done it, I don't for lie. because you have, you are lying. You have you have tapped into your best friend's drawer and <laughs> stole something. But also a lot of our DTH salons that have co-working spaces because we know it's a hassle to bring your stuff back and forth, provide lockers yep. so that they have a space where they can keep their stuff in salon. I personally always take my stuff with me. I don't want to have to repurchase these expensive tools.
1: I also just like, sometimes I want to, I sometimes do freelance. So I have to take, I take my stuff a, with yeah. me. But I, I will say not every DH salon does this. This is a suggestion. Yep. If a salon is struggling financially, this is one of the things we teach because the only reason a salon is struggling is because clients aren't coming in or people aren't booking. I mean, there's really mm-hmm. no other option. There's really no other way that it'd be struggling. And so when we see that they have a team, but there aren't enough people working or there are not enough clients in the chair, we don't focus on helping the stylist build. That's the stylist job. We focus on helping the salon owner hire new people that can fill that space, which is why it is important that we are, as hairdressers, getting to a place where we understand the chair and the station. This is not mine. Just like if I were to work at a clothing store where I check people out, that desk is not mine. I have been in situations where people have worked in restaurants. They're like, oh, these are my tables. They're not your tables. I get what they're saying.
0: I do too, you know, because like, this was my assigned station for the day.
1: Exactly. And by the way, that that area that you were assigned to probably isn't where you're going to be assigned tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's not that radical to build this way. And we also live in share culture. We live in a co-working culture. This is why WeWork was so popular. And by the way, still is popular. It's just not run by Adam Newman. <laughs> but I, <laughs> But this type of culture is popular. And it's popular because it's the way of the future. And it's how we're getting back to our roots of community in a technological world. We're still in our own bubble, but we're in our own bubble with other people.
0: We created this hybrid version of a commission because, one, commission salons aren't the problem. Poor leadership is. Commission is just a pay structure. But some of the stereotypical commission things weren't working anymore. Like, why can't people choose their own schedule? Why can't they set their own prices? Why do they have to work Saturdays? Why do they have to work the schedule that you have assigned? Why can't we have someone working one day a month and another person working Five days a week, and another person working just nights, and another person working just mornings. Right. Like, why can't we have this flow? One thing we do with saloners is we have them look at their chairs and their open times, and how many times during their open to close is that chair actually functioning and bringing profit? And there's so much wasted opportunity for more wealth. And then it's crazy because the stylists then want more money, but they're not willing to raise their prices. So they ask for more commission. And the saloner is like, From where? From where? (laughs) Because just because it looks like I'm taking 50% doesn't mean that I'm profiting 50%. And usually I would say at least 30 to 40%, if not more, depending on what kind of business owner they are or how they are with money, is that money going towards things just to keep the doors open, just to bring more people, clients in. And I think that's the thing. We encourage all saloners to be transparent as possible with where that money is going and how much you make. I think it's important to know that like I'm keeping this. Owning a salon or working in your own suite requires a large amount of financial understanding. And if you are anything like me, you don't love doing math. That's why we teamed up with salon Scale, the first of its kind all-in-one professional salon app to calculate all of your back items and more. Whether you do extensions, color, or find yourself over-ordering, SalonScale can keep track of it all. Stop guessing on your expenses, go digital, and get SalonScale. Want 10% off your annual subscription? Tap the link in our episode description to use the code DTH10 at checkout.
1: If you know Destroy the Hairdresser, then you know we talk about hourly pricing all the time. That is why partnering with Aura was a no-brainer. Aura is a new salon booking software that works for salons switching to hourly pricing. Implement the hourly pricing model seamlessly with Aura's online booking experience. Salons can customize pricing per provider and display the provider's hourly rate. If you're switching to hourly, switch to Aura. Tap the link in our episode description to unlock instant savings. I think when people hear our methods, they hear them very reactively at first. Like, oh my gosh, that would never work. That would never work in my space. I can't. That is crazy. And then as they learn more of our methods and how they all kind of work together and how these freedoms that are for Silas also gives the salon owner freedoms, once they start unraveling it, they're like, you can hear it in their voice, you can see it in their eyes. They're like, oh, it's all starting to unravel and click that like, it doesn't have to be this. Way that we've just been doing it, like we just
0: mm-hmm.
1: every person wants to open a salon and not be like their former employer, and every person ends up like their former employer. Yep, because you always no,
0: will become your parents.
1: Yeah, because no one is actually making changes in the industry because the changes are too difficult, they're too scary. You're going to get shunned. Our industry shits on each other. We make fun of each other. We call each other names. We say that people are crazy. We call each other this or that or
0: we try to cancel them yeah
1: there's like a fight about everything in our industry and even people that are trying to do good are still getting yelled at and it's like you have to learn and listen and take what you can and do what you can't you can't do everything you can't make everything work for everyone else you have to put this oxygen mask on yourself first how are you gonna make money
0: mm-hmm
1: how are you going to take care of your family and your people and your stuff? And then you can, then you can start expanding out. But I think salon owners, especially in today's world, are like, how do I make sure everyone has health insurance and how do I make sure everyone gets paid time off and how do I make? You can't. You don't have the. You don't have money. You don't have the money to do it. You can do it if your business gets to a place where it's financially stable and can provide those things. Most salons don't get there. Most salons don't last more than five years. So it's just crazy to me. Like, we're all yelling at each other. No one knows what they're fucking talking about. And it's like, we're trying to give real methods that help people think differently and create space to actually make more money and to provide more things. But we can't provide more things until we do things differently on like a basic level.
0: Yeah.
1: We can't do things differently, like provide health insurance until the money is there. I don't know why people aren't.
0: I love when they're like, there's not even health insurance. I'm like. Because you want 75% commission. Where do you think that money for the, you know? (laughs) And I think that's the thing. It's like.
1: I think that everyone thinks if you own a business too, like.
0: You're making millions. Yeah.
1: And I think there's this level of, um, well, they should give me this. I don't know. Maybe I was raised differently. I've never thought in my life that anyone should give me anything. If someone gives me a scrap, I'm like, thank you. That's great. That's all I needed. Not that that's what we should settle for, but I was just always raised, no one's going to give you health insurance. No one's going to give you money. No one's going to give you anything. You have to do everything yourself. Not that that's how I would want my kids to be raised, but I've never been anywhere in my life and thought, what are they going to give me? I've just never, I've never done it. Well,
0: you know, I think there's... There's a lot of success, too. Like, a lot of our salons have hit million-dollar in revenue, which is incredible. That's but the point. But the salon owners probably not even making six figures as a right. take-home. <laughs> right. And the salon definitely isn't profiting a million dollars. Right. Is it huge to bring in that much money in revenue? Absolutely. At that point, you can absolutely guarantee that your business has a savings that it can invest in things that your staff is being paid very well, that they're making a good paycheck. They're making six figures that things are really good. But I think that's the confusion, especially if you celebrate things like that with your team of like, we just hit this marker. They're instantly thinking that the business is making that much is keeping that much. I I think that's again, like why there needs to be transparency.
1: I will say this. Like, The future of America, specifically the states, is more likely that the government will provide health insurance to everyone than salons. Yeah. It is more likely that we will get to that place, but we will not ever get to a place where salons can afford health insurance unless they're a giant corporation or they have multiple locations bringing in multiple streams of revenue. And even when a lot of them do provide certain perks and benefits, They're like, we provide health insurance. but Then you find out what the health insurance is. It's not. Not great. Not that great. So I think everyone waiting for the salon industry to like make this shift. You got to stop holding your breath. It's not going to happen because the way it's set up. And I can tell you that we're more likely to get assistance from the government sooner than.
0: (laughs) Which already seems so far. Which
1: already seems far away. (laughs) But that will happen before salons can start dishing it out. That doesn't mean they shouldn't think about it or try or come up with solutions. And a lot of
0: salons are doing it successfully. A lot of salons are. You know why? It's because they're utilizing each chair to the max. Right. So that the business can bring in profit so that they can invest in things to make a better career for their stylist.
1: A lot of those places also make you sign a Mm -hmm. (laughs) non-compete.
0: Please don't work anywhere that makes you sign a non-compete. We are working on a very useful tool because we have so many DTH students that are paving the way in our industry. And we are definitely trying to create a tool where you can go find those spaces and have a a better opportunity in your salon.
1: Exactly. That's the thing is like, we want, we wanna, we want, we want, how many times do I say it? We want to give (laughs) all of our listeners a map. Of where to go. You may be hearing this and saying, I would never want to work in a place where every day at a new station or I take my stuff home or I had to put in a locker. That's okay. That's okay. We can still find you a place that follows DTH methods that maybe that's not one of them. I want people to know that working with a DTH coach doesn't mean you have to do all the DTH things. It means you're going to learn about them. And then you're going to choose what you apply You may apply hourly pricing and gratuity free, but you may be like, no, I still like the assigned station. It makes my life easier. That's what I want. You may be someone who's like, we're doing hourly pricing, but we're not going to do gratuity free yet. Also, it's a growing process. It's not like you make one decision. Next year, you might add something to it, or you may be ready to take another risk. I think people don't understand that our version of coaching is not a template. It's not a checklist. It's consciousness. It's critical thinking. It's how do I apply this where I am in the best way possible to make more money and to be happier and to streamline? This is one method that works for a lot of people. And anytime someone's like, I don't like that, I don't understand it. The reason they don't like it is because they they don't get it. Not yeah. because it doesn't work. Because it scares them. Right? Gay people scare straight people for a very long time and now everyone's celebrating pride. It's just, whatever mm-hmm. whatever we don't understand, we fear it. Right? And so... You know, like I said, we're trying to create this, basically this map where you'll be able to see salons that are handicap accessible for hairdressers who need assistance in certain ways or that want to tend to clients in a better way. We will have a place for you to find salons that are focused on those that are neurodivergent. It's not going to be every salon as much as we want it to be, as much as we will continue to try to reach for that. We also have to know that it'll be some salons, and then the, yeah. and that will turn into more salons, and that will turn into more co-working spaces. Doesn't work for everybody, but it is a really viable option to make money, and and it does work for a lot of people. But that's the beauty of Destroy the Hairdresser is it's not one size fits all. It's literally, I think of it like a grocery store. You come to coaching, you get to walk through the grocery store, you pick out what you like, <laughs> but guess what? You have to come back to the grocery store. There may be new things, and there may be better things, and maybe you want to try this thing now, right? That's kind of how I see coaching is, like, a trip to the grocery store. Maybe you took something home, and you're like, oh, that was gross. I don't like that.
0: (laughs) Return to Trader (laughs) Joe's.
1: (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts about that because it it gets brought up so much, like, oh, this salon isn't inclusive, and this salon is this, and this Mm salon. And it's like, yeah. And I hope my apartment is not accessible to everyone, so... No one in New York gives a shit. I would care more than my landlord would. And that's what I'm saying is like some things aren't possible and we have to find ways to help and we have to talk about it. But we can't. I don't think we can be everything for everyone all the time. It's just not possible. And I'm Mm -hmm. saying that as a white, able bodied person who has my own struggles with things. But at the same time, we will continue to talk about it and we'll continue to.
0: I mean, the more education there is out there, the more change that's going to happen. Exactly.
1: But I do request that we stop with the with the shaming. It's it's not worth it. It's not that's not going to get people to change. It closes
0: people off from hearing the change that they should make or that they could make because now they're just.
1: I have a thing for sound. I don't know what it is like if I'm somewhere and it's really loud. I get really anxious. I get really worked up. And I remember working in Brooklyn. There was a salon in Brooklyn that I was going to work at. And I went in for an interview and the music was so loud and it was like heavy metal music. And
0: you were like, absolutely not.
1: But I wasn't like, uh, you need to change this music for people like me who can't handle this music, right? I You're think I, like,
0: I'm not working there.
1: Yeah, I, I cut the interview short because my anxiety was so bad. I like, couldn't breathe when I left. And I think I even took an Ativan ad after I was just like, oh, my God, there was so much going on. I can't handle that. You know, it's my choice if I I don't want to work there. Right. And I and I chose that. The funny thing was that they had like a co-working setup, and I was so excited to see. It. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like,
0: I can't kind
1: of devastating. But could I make a suggestion like, hey, for someone like me, the music's really hard for me. to. it's hard for me. I didn't say that to them. I could have.
0: You probably should have.
1: And I should have. Because I,
0: they could then they get the choice to say. You know what? This is just—I don't know who put this on. This is not even. A yeah, thing, they could or, say,
1: "Oh my gosh, yes, you know, you're not the right. first one that said this,
0: so maybe we should consider this." Or you know,
1: they can also say, "You know, this is our vibe." Fuck off! It's loud as hell. <laughs> it's not for you, my friend. And I think like we have to get comfortable. We have to get comfortable with that. It's a it's a slippery slope because you have to. We're talking about people who are also still willing to make changes, but we're also talking about. People that, you know, you still have the right to set up your business the way you want to set it up. Yeah. But you don't want to harm people in the process. It's a, it's such a fine line.
0: It really is.
1: But it's not... But a, I think that there's like if no we perfect just spend science. more time
0: talking to each other, but also understanding that, like, we still get to decide where we're going to spend our money. We still get to decide what we're going to participate in. We still get to decide what businesses we want to walk into. Yeah. And... I think that's the great thing.
1: And if anyone out there is listening and they want to become more inclusive, I would suggest that you learn and apply one thing at a time. Because what happens is pleasing everyone and being inclusive are not the same thing. Yeah. Like I can still be inclusive and not mentally that's not safe people. for you.
0: <laughs> and you will become resentful and right. then create more harm.
1: Exactly. Because
0: it's a it's too much pressure. Any change requires a process. And and it's okay if someone calls you out and it's like, you're not making changes. And you can say, I'm making changes at my own pace. I'm yeah. working on this. I'm educating myself. I'm doing the things. And usually
1: people that say you're not making changes, it's because they don't, they have nowhere to exercise making changes. So they just yell at people that do. So just don't even get involved in that. But I do think we have to keep working on it. It's not an overnight thing. Tomorrow there will be a new thing that we have to work on. That's fine. But at the same time, if it's about making people happy and pleasing people, that's not the same as including people and being inclusive. Please be aware of am I doing this to please people or am I doing this because I want to be inclusive? I think I think it's a very important question to ask. Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser the podcast.
0: I use a lot of foils. I do balayage. I do whatever the hell I need to do as a blonding specialist to get the job done. And she was like, oh no, you can't use foils in my hair. And I was like, why? (laughs) I kind of just was like dumbfounded. Like, do you have an allergy? Is there something that I don't know that your hair's going to do? Is there like... You have
1: a tin foil allergy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: Like, what's happening? And she's like, oh no. I was told by my previous hairstylist, when you put your hair in foil, it fries it.